Welcome to the podcast series Talking Success, connecting the global fintech community. I'm Stacey Jafta, and today I'll be chatting with Louis Javon, Executive VP of People at Checkout.com. Checkout.com empowers businesses to adapt and innovate. Flexible solutions, granular data, and instant insights help global enterprises launch new products in new markets and create outstanding customer experiences. Hello, Louis. How are you? Hey, Stacey. I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me. How are you? Good, good, good. I'm so excited to have you on board. Checkout.com has been on my radar for some time. You guys are doing such incredible things. How's your experience been there so far? Well, uh, you know, it's quite a, you know, it's been, I feel like, like a cat had multiple lives uh, <laughs> at, at, at Checkout.com. So, you know, hard for me to wrap up, you know, in a, in a few minutes, this, this last eight, eight years. But, uh, you know, it's been a, an amazing journey. I think uh, one of a lifetime, and uh, and and yeah, and what I'm excited to share with you and and, and you know uh, anyone today, Stacey. Awesome. Well, let's dive right in. Tell me about your career journey and essentially what led you to become executive VP of, of People at Checkout.com. Well, uh, you know, interesting question. I could obviously uh, tell you that, you know, I'm a people person. I grew mm. up in a lot of siblings. I always love to be a mediator to friends, etc. But uh, I but love I, that. But actually, I think it's most uh, mostly due to a, a series of events and facts, but uh, more importantly, hard work and, and commitment. Um, I will take things in reverse. Um, I... I joined Checkout in, in 2013 as a, as an HR specialist, uh, and, and became head of people in 2018. So really, uh, you know, up to, to now and, you know, halfway through 2021, I, I had the opportunity to, to witness and take a, a very active part in the, in the checkout.com amazing journey, growing the company from 20 people to a thousand to hundred colleagues, uh, from two to 17 offices, etc. Uh, really the, 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 while taking over the, the, the people department in 2018, uh, what I've done is really architected the, the people department around a very simple and agile structure to enable the company grow super fast, scale mm-hmm. well, uh, with obviously always a big emphasis on, on helping the company navigate change. Um, yeah. prior, prior to, to check out, just to give you a, a tiny bit of flavor on, on where I'm coming from, uh, you see, I think the accent tells a lot, but, uh, uh, got a background in, in recruitment. Um, so, uh, you know, in a global, uh, search firm, uh, leading one at the time, uh, and fairly enough, very far away from the fintech world because I was hiring exec leaders for global oil and gas companies in, uh, operating in Africa. Very different. Indeed. Uh, but you know, at the time, the fintech world, the payment world was a commodity just as, you know, uh, oil and gas is, right? So it wasn't mm-hmm. so different in, on, on that basis. Um, and before to that, um, I've done a master's in management and behavioral leadership. Um, studied in France, studied in Portugal, studied in Brazil. So really, I'll say that interest uh, of anything around diversity, languages, mm-hmm. culture is, you know, grew a lot while I was traveling. And uh, which potentially explain why my, my main hobbies today are anything around traveling, which was quite frustrated, uh, last year. And obviously, I can imagine, but cooking as well. And trust me, uh, you know, I've used that time to, uh, sharpen my skills there. What is your go-to meal? Tell us. Oh, you know, it's, yeah, I think it's, it depends really on, on the mood. It depends. Um, uh, sometime, you know, I got 
really into fish lately. I've, you know, mm. I've got the Otolenghi, uh, three books of Otolenghi and I'm really into that Middle Eastern type of food, very spicy, very quite mm. complex. But, uh, you know, that's really the, my go to food right now is, uh, is anything Middle Eastern. Yum, yum, yum. Okay, cool, cool, cool. That's uh, that's about my journey. Uh, snapshot in uh, in eight minutes or <laughs> oh, like three minutes. <laughs> so you started checkout when there were only twenty employees. Now there's over a thousand. How has the culture changed, and how important is employer branding to the business? Yeah, I mean, twenty people. I think you know, having two HR at the time says a lot. Many companies do not believe in getting HR in early, right? Uh, yeah. For the reason, I don't want to challenge that. Every company is different, uh, has different requirements. But you know, uh, our people with a, a type, you know, uppercase P has always been at the heart of everything we do uh, mm. at checkout, and that was true when we were twenty. It's now true as we are a thousand two hundred, uh, and it will hopefully be true. And I'll make sure of that when we reach ten thousand uh, colleagues. Um, so, so really, um, the, the culture and then the, the, the employee branding because they link. I mean, you know, uh, we, we we build ours very organically. So building our branding based on our culture and our values. So speaking of our values, uh, what you might have seen on our website or uh, heard elsewhere, uh, Aspire, um, Excel, and Unite. Uh, I've, I've been the same since the very beginning. Uh, this has always helped us guide, uh, you know, everything we do at checkout. And then really, I think the way you approach, uh, culture in general is to, to accept and understand that it's a living and breathing thing, right? Mm. Don't go try frame it too much. Don't go try use it just as a, you know, fancy words to print to print at the back of a t-shirt or in the lobby yeah. of your building right you need to come up with those compelling values um, but really involve your colleagues to agree on what they mean for us right move away from from also quickly from just be those being philosophical beliefs, uh, but see quickly a level of tangibility to those, right? Uh, embed them through the entire process. And by, by process, I mean all the way from, you know, for candidates uh, through value scorecards, how we assess candidates uh, part of the interview process, but also into different principles that are part of our competency profile. How do we, you know, assess, review, promote, or, in, you know, our colleagues, uh, Equally, not only based on, on I would say, uh, competencies, but also based on those values. Uh, also embed them, I would say, all the way up to all the leadership training you build. Mm. Um, how do you build the leaders of tomorrow in alignment with our values? Uh, and finally, uh, you know, transitioning those, uh, those philosophical beliefs, those values into operating principles to really act as guidelines for or day-to-day decision-making, right? Um, and really, once you have that, you need to also have a team that curate culture, right? Uh, and don't make that the role of an HR team only. Don't make that the role of, you know, obviously your ambassadors are, or uh, all your leaders in the, across the organization, but uh, with Bill at Checkout.com, a uh, culture champions network. So all Ooh, um, what does that all, entail? Well, you know, uh, employees across offices, across department, volunteer, to join this uh, network, which is, they are basically the curators of our, of our culture. And, you know, they meet that. on a weekly basis, spend time, and they are the one that says how organically we need to evolve and, and scale this culture. And that's not something we dictate from the top, but rather it's, a, you know, uh, it's a bottom-up type of approach. 
That's important. How has the culture changed since the pandemic, maybe working remotely? I know that many businesses' cultures um, involved collaboration, maybe getting drinks after work or everyone on a Friday comes in and does activities together, not having that be possible. How have you seen the culture change and what have you implemented to replace that? Well, that's an excellent question. I think obviously uh, it will be a, it'll be a fool to say that we've you know we've managed to 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 keep that intact. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, for for us, it was not just about working remote, right? Uh, it was also you need to consider that. Uh, we've double sized just in 2020. Exactly, exactly. Right? From 500 to 1,000 uh, colleagues. Um, so really, and, and obviously remotely. So on top of ensuring that the business can keep going, keep running uh, with the right velocity. And that means, you know, supporting our, our people, uh, you know, all the way from, you know, the, the way they set up, the way they communicate, to uh, educate them on, on how to kind of, you know, work remotely, make the best use of, of different channels of communication, synchronously, asynchronously. I think from a, on the cultural angle, we had to think very innovately, right? Uh, to, to ensure that this culture we've built with embedded could still fill virtually rather than just in our offices. The good news is because we've embedded that throughout the entire journey, you know, I think that that helped a lot by, you know, yeah. discussing and, and thinking about those those elements early in the in the journey at checkout.com. But what did we do concretely also? We, you know, we've created a, a CK wellness community where you know, uh, with many, many members and on the channel where we curate mm-hmm. a lot of different events around mental, physical well-being, where people, you know, uh, take turn and, and talk about the, the experience with that. So that, you know, a great community. We've also built a well-being team. That's, you know, something we've, uh, we've always, uh, invested a lot in as, but not as a function. We've kind of, uh, I would say, uh, officialized that. We've, we've institutionalized it. Um, we've done, you know, a lot of virtual events, end of year party. That was an amazing success. We make the best use of different features on Slack, like don- uh, donut dates where, you know, you match with random on new joiners to get to know each other, kind of a buddy program oh, if you want. that's incredible. Um, and I was, you know, a lot of us in the exec team will really make time for that. Um, you know, um, Oh, and obviously all the kind of usual support about ergonomics at home, about keeping schemes, uh, you know, obviously all these little thoughts that make uh, the difference about wellness boxes. We've sent Kindles to all our employees for Christmas to ensure they could read Wow. Books. Oh, wow. Yeah. I think, you know, investment in knowledge uh, pays the best, you know, interest, right? Uh, mm-hmm. so, so, so I think that was important. You see the, the occasional swag, but it was about going above and beyond just giving that swag, but rather you know, uh, mm. spend time and curate something that is tailored to, uh, to our culture and to our people versus trying to do like everybody else and just, you know, think that by sending a nice t-shirt while people are, or a branded mask, uh, would be enough <laughs> to, to care. Um, so yeah, and obviously doing that in a growing environment, seven unique locations, imagine different cultures. You need to always adapt. Once again, as I said, uh, don't, don't, you know, you need to approach things in a very tailored way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and yeah, obviously employer branding is, is playing and has played, but it's still playing a, a key role in a world where we can't connect with our candidates. We're fully remote. We've accelerated the pace of hiring like crazy. So, uh, you know, um, so, 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 so yeah, employer branding is really here to, to, to showcase who we truly are. Uh, internally, whether we work in an office or from home, and being the, the ambassadors of that culture to the to the world out there, you are clearly ramping up 
at such a rapid pace and you have experience working for a big recruitment firm and you're now leading an internal recruitment team many internal recruiters aren't big fans of firms for multiple reasons which we can get into checkout doubled in size over the last year did you use firms during this process and if so how did you choose who you wanted to work with well, so obviously, you know, I come myself from from that world, right? Obviously, I didn't make mm-hmm. a, a long career there enough to, I guess, get get familiar with with of our place. Obviously, there's been a massive shift uh, in the perception of those companies in the way they operate from 2013 to today. So I would not say I know yeah. this environment that would be unfair. But uh, uh, what I'll say is that the majority of our recruitment today is done. And really, have always has always been done in house, right? Yeah. Um, which is honestly our preferred method of bringing people into the company. Um, we have our whole recruitment team; they are really checkout.com expert and great ambassadors, and really trusted advisors to our hiring managers. So, really, when when I've started building the recruitment function at checkout, that team was also in charge of uh, onboarding. Uh, our new employees, whether it's three, six months probation, etc. Because to me, a successful hire should be measured way later down the line, you know, than just you know on the on the actual hiring thing. Um, so, so today, obviously, uh, we need to be a bit pragmatic because in a world where we play both the quality and the quantity game uh, at the pace we grow, uh, you know, meaning that we need to build that complexity incrementally. Um, and, and, and that's why I've hired recently a very senior uh, talent leader that joined my team and will really kind of reshape scale the, the 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 recruitment function that will be way more complex looking after obviously splitting tech non-tech recruitment having a sourcing team a coordination team a talent ops team the employer brand team we just mentioned uh and get that all together so to your point yes we do sometimes use uh, external firms uh but we're talking about very very specific roles uh whether they executive search whether they're extremely rare profile whether they're about new markets we've never been into first we need a bit of you know get into that network or because simply they are confidential search as you can imagine uh, yeah. and finally you know today uh, you know to help us really during those those extremely high volume and busy times you know sometime uh, um having a short uh, assignment uh, to 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 different uh, partners is helpful uh, but to your question, how do we decide to work with one organization, not another? I think, you know, we look at the organization values, ways of working, and how they approach really candidate experience to, to, to help our decision. Ultimately, what I said is that we partner with people. We do not partner with businesses. I too had a very negative opinion on recruitment firms and my CEO, Darren Franks, sat with me and went over talent in the cloud's way of doing business. We probably had around four interviews just discussing how as an executive search firm, we have the mission of closing the gender gap, our method of searching that involves integrity. And and something I really cared about was not just shoving CVs down clients' throats, but rather having that extra layer of vetting and sending fewer candidates, but with video interviews, a lot of businesses are looking at what are the cheapest firms to work with. Let's just say you get what you pay for. Um, you did make a great point. Partner with people and and not businesses. It is. And as you already said, I think it's not about saying that recruitment firms are, are you know, no, they're great. I mean, you know, they, 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 you know I've come across some excellent uh, firms and excellent people, but uh, I think it's more about we believe in building everything in-house. Uh, mm-hmm. We know we own our technology 
100%. And same goes for everything we try to achieve. We try really to build that in-house. And that's more from a philosophical angle than just a way to say we don't believe in agencies, if that makes sense. And scaling that quickly must have required new training programs. How did you manage onboarding? What did your training programs look like? Well, it's really, I think, again, uh, it really depends. We have different layers uh, when it comes to training. I think, um, you know, an amazing onboarding process where people can access a lot of information, data, videos. We've digitalized all, all our content, organized drop-in session. Uh, we have a, a strong culture of, you know, of collaboration, sharing, etc. So there's a lot that is obviously tackled in-house on the learning side. Uh, but now when it comes to specifics, we have obviously, you know, learning policies with, you know, uh, learning days, with actual budget, mm-hmm. with a process in, in, in place um, that can answer any type of needs from, you know, certification to very specific training to a bit more attending different co- conferences. Uh, you know, we have a uh, we're quite strong there. Obviously, it's all about giving a level of flexibility to people. Mm. We never want to come with this kind of generic training thing because then everybody starts thinking the same and that's when you start innovating, right? Um, so, so it's really about uh, offering a tailored approach. Same goes for leadership training, right? How do we train the leaders uh, of tomorrow from, you know, uh, whether it's from first-time managers to kind of experienced managers to coaching, you know, we've... Um, We've, I've wrote a, you could find that out. I wrote a funny article, uh, on, uh, on LinkedIn, um, a couple of years ago, uh, rightly about that. Uh, it's a post that you can find, but it explained how we've built our, our leadership program, for example. But it was really about building that, starting with asking the questions of, what you need to achieve, what you, you seek mm-hmm. as an organization, right? Because if you go out there and you use that third party provider that come with this very generic thing, you're going to end up just, you know, building the same managers that are elsewhere. So it's about starting with understanding what we're trying to achieve, uh, what we're seeking, what's, what success looks like for us, and then what our values, who we are, and start really shaping uh, those different training programs based on, 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 on who you are. And then, you know, find a provider because, you know, the challenge is, I suppose that, you know, uh, the challenge is, is you, you will be tempted uh, to run programs in-house fully, uh, mm-hmm. especially for, for growing businesses, really, I'm moving at the lightning speed like us. However, it's also and always important to, to challenge your own thinking. So seek for that external support. Uh, is, is, you know, that's a great way to do that, right? Uh, delivers a very scientific market proof angle that will re- mm-hmm. really reassure your colleagues and leaders. So, but really, I say, you know, build that yourself, find a provider that can uh, work with you based on what you want and don't impose their, their way of thinking. And then, you know, uh, we've, we've delivered, you know, uh, many weeks programs contacting, you know, 18 different modules, one-to-one coaching, psychometrics testing, upward feedback, back weekly assignment, uh, and around the clock support. So we've really delivered, um, uh, unique and extremely, extremely, um, powerful, uh, training, uh, inside the organization today. So I think that's one of, uh, one of our strengths is really this, uh, this training element. Yeah, because I was going to say a tailored approach is extremely time consuming. And that's what we're doing currently is um, very tailored programs to each person and it yields great results. But I can't imagine 500 people onboarded in the last year. You can't do a tailored program per person. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, obviously, I think you need to segment. You segment, right? When I say tailored, it's about saying, like, you know, at least, you know, you segment based on, uh, you know, a bit of calibration, 
based on mm. the department, the location, the gap, you know, you, you, you make that communicate a bit with your talent cal calibration performance, uh, with your uh, priorities. And then, so, so, yeah, it's obviously not tailored to the individual. That's also why we give full flexibility to individual to make a business case when they, they identify a specific uh, training that will be useful to them out there, discuss that with a manager and have a full support of the company when, when that has been discussed. By tailoring is, is you know, involving people in that decision-making versus, you know, building everything in-house. What I say is like mm. on, a, on a more traditional, not traditional, but like, you know, uh, training such as leadership training, such as, you know, very specific about, Uh, let's say for our engineers, which is, you know, a large part of our population about specific skills, you know, we, we curate a bit the market and suggest, you know, something and turn it, make it our own and suggest that to, to, to this population. We were also talking about the two types of layers you've identified that has led to success. Layer one, the quick wins and layer two, where you use your brain a bit more and identify patterns. Firstly, can you elaborate on this philosophy? And secondly, what patterns have you discovered and, and what was the impact? Oh, right. That's an interesting question. Okay, right. So I would not really call that a philosophy, right? It's, you know, uh, for the reason that I don't believe in in following, you know, what best practices are, because we don't really build, the, 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 we don't build the companies of tomorrow, you know, using the recipes of yesterday, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So, so, so really, I think first, it's important to explain you the context, uh, in which, you know, uh, we operate. And because to me, context define everything. Of course. Uh, not, a, not a specific philosophy. Uh, I think our CEO always says that we played infinity game. Right. Okay. So, so, so that's the first thing. The second one is that I am myself a visual learner. We all have our tricks and tips. Mine is, you mm -hmm. know, I, I'm a visual learner. Um, so, you know, again, not really a philosophy, but rather a mind process of mine, uh, regarding how I'm tackling uh, very ambitious goals. So these two layers I've mentioned to you the other day are basically, I would say first set the North Star, uh, as high as possible, very aspirational. Um, you know, um, that, that's really your second layer. Uh, this is really your strategy, if you want, right? Okay. Then you really balance that out, uh, by, I'll say, singling out and not mixing up with a list of what I call urgent topic day to day, uh, mm -hmm. which is your first layer, uh, very operational, very tactical, not strategic. Um, and really your ability to move away from this first layer. Uh, operational and tactical is to identify patterns, uh, automate quickly the day to day and free up some time so you can really shift and focus on that second layer. Um, so obviously both, both must be connected narrative wise. Huh? Narrative is, is key here. Um, so, so again, the, the, I'll give you an example, right? When I'm swamped mm -hmm. with work myself, I always take, you know, like to take a little step back and map out yeah. everything, uh, on, on a kind of, important versus urgency metrics. And then clearly that helped me already in a very simplistic way. You know, I'll say my top left uh, box is my second layer. My lower right box is my first layer. So, so it's really about, you know, um, approaching that with a methods, uh, with a method and, and, and yeah. So those are, I mean, to give you analogies, uh, if they help, I think, um, I'll say your first layer is your actual KPI and your second okay. layer is the company vision and mission, right? Uh, your first layer is your operating principle, the day-to-day -day guidance on how you make decisions and act, you know, while your second layer is your actual value and belief, right? So, so, so that's really how I approach everything. And really, I try to, to coach my team on, on, on splitting the two and not mixing up because it's important that just to communicate, you know, 
uh, it's an iterative process, right? I believe in iteration, continuous iteration, mm -hmm. but I think it's important to, you know, to be able to, to, yeah, to, to isolate these two, make sure they communicate, but isolate in the sense of how you approach them, um, and not mix up. Uh, that, that's, yeah, that's a, a tip of mine versus an actual philosophy. Don't expect me I writing, love it. writing a book about it because I don't, you know, I didn't learn HR by the book and I don't believe, I don't believe in, 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 in HR by the book anyway. Uh, so there won't be any, uh, any copyright on that, on that, <laughs> on that tip. Louis, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Um, where's the best place for listeners to reach you? Cool. Thank you very much. Um, well, look, uh, any question, there's obviously a lot more I can share, that I can share but, uh, you know, uh, eight years uh, uh, could be very talkative. So feel free to drop me a little note on uh, LinkedIn. Uh, easy to find me in Louis Jovin. Uh, for the action, I'm sure you'll get the, the, the detail in the, on the podcast. But, uh, um, and, and yeah, if otherwise, you know, as you understood, you know, we're hiring a lot. We're always keen to go and connect with like-minded people. So feel free to engage, interact with us. Uh, you can go on our career page. You can either contact, you know, contact me via email at louis.jovin at checkout.com and ask pretty much anything and, uh, because we are, yeah, always keen to, to connect with anyone out there. Awesome. Thanks again, Louis. Thanks to you. Have a nice day, Stacey. Take care. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Talking Success, Connecting the Global Fintech Community. Feel free to follow us on LinkedIn at Talent in the Cloud. And if you're interested in exec talent, expanding your team, or you yourself are looking for a new, exciting change in your career, check out our website, talentinthecloud.io.